Welcome into episode 61 of the Sources Say podcast, your go-to Kentucky basketball and recruiting podcast on the Growing KSR Podcast Network. I am your host, Jack Pilgrim of Kentucky Sports Radio, and today I am happy to be joined once again by Sean Smith of Go Big Blue Country. Sean, what a freaking night. We have so much to talk about. We had to stop what we're doing and throw our headsets on, get rolling right now. I got to ask you, how are you feeling right now? Tired. I, I walked into the house and I thought, man, it's going to be a quiet evening. I can kick my feet up. I can relax. And then we got absolutely slammed. I called someone. I said, hey, Olivier Sar is eligible. And then literally in the middle of me saying that, they're like, Jacob Toppin is too. And then like hung up on me <laughs> because we both had to start working. And then you texted me and I'm like, yeah, let me do this. And then we'll hop on here and record. Huge news for Kentucky basketball for the 2020-21 season, Jack. It's, it's the news was was sorry that we've all sort of been looking at, but don't sleep on Jacob Toppin in that news. Yeah, that's a so I have a little bit of scoop that I'm going to save. So David's David Sisk, uh, he is also swamped. We are, I mean, we literally as soon as the news came out, we stopped what we were doing. I texted both of you guys and said, "Let's try to get an episode out. Let's you know do what we can to to talk about it as, as quickly as we can." You don't have super super long so we got to get in get out uh get as much in as, as we can uh david is wrapping up what he is doing and he's going to jump in and he's going to pro- provide all of his good x's and o's and analysis on on his end but yeah i have some some uh some practice scoop i i talked to somebody that uh is is there at practice sees it all the time got, you know let me know how things are going and oddly enough Jacob Toppin was the guy. I, this this conversation happened yesterday afternoon, and I called you immediately afterward. And uh, and the, he, one of the individuals that they brought up specifically was Jacob Toppin, and how it was just such a massive, um, how he's such a massive addition. And I have some quotes pulled up that I that I have, and, and I'll read them off, and, and we'll get into it a little bit more when David jumps in because I want him. him him to hear it as well but yeah I mean Olivier Saar we've been waiting for this he committed back I believe May 6th um, and we've been waiting ever since then for his final you know the, the news of his well, final you know we, it's, we got it's the well, confirmation and we've been waiting for this SEC and we finally got exactly. it. exactly well you've had you had spring you had summer, and now we're into the fall that's how long it took this kid to to get his waiver Toppin was a different situation though they they looked at Toppin as a project and then when they saw these rule changes coming about and all this they're like why not let's why not have him as an option Jack is a guy that's experienced that they can go to so it's uh certainly a roster Cal has had Cal's been shorthanded in the past that's not the problem this season there's yeah. plenty of bodies on that bench yeah absolutely I mean I mean Depth is depth is one thing, but Kentucky needed star power up front. They needed a guy that they could rely on to, you know, to to you know carry that weight down low to, to be the anchor of the front court. Isaiah Jackson, he's been getting rave reviews in practice. Good for him. I think he's gonna be a hell of a basketball player. But he's not the guy that you want to anchor the front court. Lance Ware, I am very high on him long-term. I think he's going to make an immediate impact this year, but he's not the guy that you want to anchor your front court. Olivier Saar was the only guy that Kentucky could add and needed to add to make them a, a final four and legitimate championship contender. I went on uh, this, this summer, they had me on KSR. I went on the public airwaves and said, they asked me, so you know, how good do you think this team can be? And I said, 
as of right now, with that Olivier Saar, they are not going to make it past the Sweet 16. They are a Sweet 16 team. Uh, I kind of compared it to the char, the uh, you know Tyler Eulis, Jamal Murray, Charles Matthews, Scalabissier type type year where. You had as, as much star – I mean, I would argue that Jamal Murray and Tyler Ulis was the best backcourt that we've seen in Kentucky, uh, especially under the, the um, in the John Calipari era. I think that backcourt is the best that we've seen under Calipari, and that still wasn't enough to lead that team past the round of 32 because there were so many holes down low. They didn't have an anchor. Scal was not the guy. Marcus Lee was not the guy. They just didn't have that guy to push them up to the next level. Olivier Saar – instantly created very similar situation brandon boston and and terrence clark being the two dominant guard guard players and then obviously uh you know obviously olivier is is that third guy yeah it's huge news i mean it's it's massive news like you said he's the one that it elevates Kentucky to a Final Four national title contender. Jacob Toppin, that doesn't elevate Kentucky to that. It just helps you in a year with COVID-19 and positive tests and false positive tests and all the, the things that come with that. It has You have so much depth now. You add two guys to your roster. One was an all-ACC center who did this against Duke, Notre Dame, uh, Wake Forest, North Carolina, those programs. Or he was at Wake Forest, sorry. North Carolina, Pittsburgh, all those programs. That's what you're getting in this, and you're you're getting a guy that takes pressure off of Isaiah Jackson and Lance where those guys can be who they are and not have to focus on being everything Kentucky needs Olivier Saar to be. Saar is more ready to kind of put this team in the front court on his shoulders, Jack, where Isaiah Jackson can now be that elite shot blocker. They can do the two to three things that make them great instead of having to chip in and do all this other stuff that Olivier Saar is going to handle on his own. Yeah, absolutely. And on that note, David Sisk is jumping in right now. Uh, we will get him connected to the audio. We are live, baby. And we are, it's a very happy show, David. Can you hear us? I hear you. Oh, man. Well, we are just thrilled to have you join as well. Uh, we are, you know, mid-conversation about the importance of these of these moves, and we'll get you caught up here. Uh, you, what are your first initial thoughts on on tonight's massive news for, for my wife on, on both me, what would, my wife just asked me what would we have to do if we had to quarantine together and i said i guess we're going to do a lot of podcasts and zoom calls i don't know, <laughs> I don't know what she's going to do i guess that's what i'll do uh it, uh in my opinion it turns kentucky from a realistically a top a team that might have got to the top 20 i mean if you look at i mean national people that don't have access to grinds now uh, the kentucky fans may not like it but if you look at the jeff goodmans and and individuals like that uh the rothsteins and all that that they had kentucky anywhere between 15 and 25. Most of them had 20 and 25. And the whole thing was they didn't know if SAR was going to be eligible. And I think this team did have two question marks going in. And one was point guard play. And the other one was inside. Now, Ware and Jackson, I think, are going to both be really good players and could be really good players next year. But you're sitting in freshman in with no experience. SAR changes all that. And not only does he bring 13 points and nine rebounds from the ACC in, He's a rim protector, but I think more importantly, he's got three years of um, successful experience 
in the ACC that he can bring into one of the youngest teams in the country. And I'm sure you probably already touched on this too, but there's just a lot of talk around the program that uh, Jacob Toppin's better than anybody would have ever expected. So, you know, he could be – and I think Sean, I saw this on Twitter where Sean had said that, you know, that may be the, the thing that people are not talking about enough is the impact that he can have. And I also feel that uh, – I'm, I'm curious kind of what it means for Cam Fletcher, for Dante Allen, for uh, Keon Brooks maybe, uh, because, you know, he goes from a guy who – we said, well, maybe it could be a, a guy on down the road to a guy who may be able to contribute sooner than we ever thought. Yeah, I think that is – in fact, David, I I, uh, um, I mentioned this when we started the show. I got a, a pretty solid – um, you know, practice report from somebody that, that is there at practice can see what's going on and, and kind of gave me a, a, an update on it. And this was yesterday before the news even came out. He had no idea that this was going to happen today. Um, or maybe this was a, you know, a, they were hinting, hinting at something. I, I don't know. But this came from yesterday. This is the exact quote that I got. They said, um, of course, uh, they said, uh, um, He's in a better system for him. I don't think Rhode Island had the weapons around him to complement his game. He had to play to their style there. Here we've got a bunch of lean, athletic, run-and-gun type players. He doesn't need to sit out at all. I see a lot of chemistry with him. Jacob is going to be a big piece. Everybody knows about SAR, and we obviously need that box checked, definitely. But we get Jacob, that 44-inch vertical definitely does not hurt. Um, yeah. and he, also, he, he added in um, specifically asking about some of the players that are standing out. They, he mentioned Davion Mintz for one and Olivier Saar. He's look, obviously, obviously looking really good. But Jacob, Jacob Toppin is active man. He's got a good read for the ball, great teammate, plays with a lot of energy. I love his energy. I think him and Lance Ware are going to shock some people this year. So, well, I'll tell you this. I, I think on that same note that I think Saar plays in a much better system for him too. Um, I talked to, uh, we, we did a, a thing, a, a series at Cats Illustrated on uh, players like Sar who'd been around and players going to the league with an NBA scout. And, and he kind of broke it down a little bit um, of each player's strengths. And one thing that he said about Sar was at Wake Forest, uh, Danny Manning really didn't have control of that offense. They had guards that just, it was one on five that just launched threes or people hanging all over them. There was no ball movement. There was no passing. It was a selfish team. That's what got him fired. And you know John Calipari may have more emphasis on getting the ball to the block, to the bigs, than any coach in America. And so I think he's going to have more opportunities, even with more talent around him. I think he could possibly have more opportunities with the ball in his hands than he had at Wake Forest. Yeah, and I think uh, Bruiser Flint talked to the media on Monday morning, and he said that exact same thing. He said, you guys have talked to John Calipari a whole lot before. He's said this over and over again. He says, if you don't have a true front court presence, if you don't have a true post presence, a guy that you could just toss the ball to and just you know, make something happen, you're a fraud. John Calipari said it, has said it over and over again. Bruiser confirmed that on Monday, and he said, with Olivier Saar, that you know that that takes away that fraud aspect we are now a legitimate team with Olivier Saar down you know at that time and they didn't confirm that he was eligible but said with him on our team with him eligible with him playing 
he takes away that fraud aspect. We we now have a guarantee down low that I and, and David, you remember I, I've said this on this this podcast several times. Very different players, but I think what Nick Richards left when he went to the NBA draft, just in terms of a consistent production that you know that you every single time Olivier Saar steps on the floor, you know you're going to get 13 and 8, 13 and 9, 14 and 7. You know, those type of numbers we got over and over and over again out of Nick Richards. And think about how many times that team last year, who was very guard-oriented, they had Emmanuel Quickly and Tyrese Maxey and Ashton Hagens, that they were the bulk of the, you know, of the workload and, and, the, and the production. But they needed Nick Richards down low to just, you know, kind of carry that weight and to kind of fix some of their, you know, just put points on the board, grab a tough rebound, get a tough block. He was that consistent force on that team last year that was clicking, you know, firing on all cylinders going into March. And we, you know, a lot of us argue that that team last year was going, uh, that they were, you know, on pace to have a, a deep tournament run. This is what we are getting with with Olivier Saar now eligible. We are getting the same consistency and production that we got last year. It, it's like we lost Nick Richards to the draft, and we got a brand new Nick Richards in return. Just, just, just with today's news. And and what this news does too, and interested to get David's thoughts on this. When you look at the pieces on this team, the length, the athleticism, especially in the backcourt, as well as Isaiah Jackson, who's known as a rim protector, Olivier Saar, I think I think his shot block number could go up at Kentucky given the way Kentucky defends and pushes the ball to the rim. Uh, this could be one of Cal's really better defensive teams, David. I think it could be a top-five defensive team when we look and get into January, February. I had an individual tell me today, I'm trying to find it here, that he thought this could be the best defensive team. And I'm trying to go back, find the year. It was, I think it was either 2015, 2016. I would have to look. But it, it had, yeah, it had been a, a while. And I, like you say, I think they'll push them even more into the shot blockers this year because I think they're going to get up in people. Now, the only difference is, um, I don't know that they can pressure the point the way they did with Hagens. So that's going to be interesting to see. And that is something that might fall on uh, uh, Mintz more than Askew because I, I just don't see Askew as a guy who – I think he's more of a, a team defender, could be a good, strong guy, could wall off the lane, but I don't see him really getting in people away from the bucket. But I think on the wings they definitely could – and get people into those shot blockers, like you say. So, yeah, a lengthy, good defensive team. But I'm going to tell you something, too, talking about the pieces offensively. Uh, if you look at the analytics and the way they measure effectiveness, uh, Sar was one of the top pick-and-roll players in the country last year for bigs. So I can see with all these dynamic guards, perimeter players that they have, him really just being able to get to the rim and they throw it up. He's got really good hands and body control and that knows how to use his body with that. But also just playing that uh, dunker spot. EJ Montgomery was good at that. Now I can't think of a lot of things where I could say he was outstanding, but I thought he was really good at, on that opposite baseline when guys penetrated. It's just how much penetration could they get last year. And I think this team this year, I mean, I can just see – guys like B.J. Boston and Clark and guys like that just breaking their guy down. And when the defense commits, just throwing it up. And, man, all he's got to do is go flush it. 
I mean, you look at the rosters. I I, I kind of wrote a, a very quick, you know, tentative lo- uh, rotation slash, you know, w- what this team can do. Calipari has so many options for for rotations and 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 you know. Okay, say one day. In fact, one of the quotes I'll, I'll actually pull this up. You you bring up. I don't know if they have a an Ashton Hagens on this team. Mark, I, I I swear to you, this is the exact quote that I got. Mark my words. Clark is going to be like the Ashton Hagens of the team. I don't know what that meant. I, I wish I would have followed up and, and gotten more clarification. The way he was kind of describing it at the time, it kind of felt like, you know, kind of the the, the leader and, and the one of the main guys that's going to help bring the ball to the floor and kind of be an initiator like we talked as, you know, earlier this summer as a guy that, you know, he could be kind of like a, a, a Tyreek Evans type guy where they're going to, you know, we've already heard that UK was planning on using him at the one at times but I I do kind of wonder if if you know he's kind of locked in and kind of want to take over that that defensive role but you look at at his size first and foremost say you want to use him at that you know at that one spot you get you go him six foot seven at the one you got BJ Boston six foot seven at the two Dante Allen six foot eight with a I think seven one wingspan or something like that at the three and then you know you want Keon Brooks at the four Olivier Saar at the five or Isaiah Jackson at the four and Olivier at the side you could go a massive massive lineup if you want to you could go with an all shooting lineup with like a, a Devin Askew and a BJ Boston Dante Allen um Keon Brooks and Olivier Saar I mean you could there are just so many different lineups and, and rotations and, and and different ways to use this I mean they, they're just so freaking deep you they, they can attack you in so many different ways and and just I mean you just look at this roster from top to bottom and it was kind of tough to envision this before this news, not knowing what was going to happen with Jacob Toppin, not knowing what was going to happen with Saar for certain. But now that we have it in front of our eyes and see that this is what our rotation is going to be, this is what the the depth chart is looking like. And it's, I mean, it's just, there's just length everywhere. There's scoring everywhere. There's, I mean, I, I'm really struggling to find a hole. David, is there is there any hole that you can you look at that roster and that you can pinpoint a, a something that you go ah I think they're missing this. I don't know that they're missing, but I think they've got uh, like I said the jury's out at the point guard spot. I think definitely at the wings, you know, they're going to be sensational. Um, they're they they've got a lot of options at the three slash four. You know, like I said, how is was Toppin going to affect Fletcher and Brooks and Dante Allen, the guys that you talked about? You know, could Isaiah Jackson play the four? Could, could Ware play the four? So, you know, there's so many numbers there. I just think when you've got that many good players that they're not all going to tank, somebody's going to be pretty good. So, I think your question is, like I say, not that I don't think it can't be good. But I just think that's where the question mark is at right now at the point guard spot. So we'll see. Uh, but it could end up being pretty good, too. And then you've got a team with no weaknesses. Now, I want to throw one more thing in. You know, you talked about the deep roster. But by the time March rolls around, if we have a March madness, who knows it may be a May madness, it might be a January madness, I don't know, <laughs> whatever it is. But when you get into postseason play and then toward the end of league play, uh, John Calipari is not going to play team guys. 
the lot. I mean, he could play him some, but he's going to have seven to eight that he leans to. I think that's what makes Kentucky guys really good in the pros because they've already went through the social Darwinism. That's Kentucky yeah. basketball where you've got 10 high school All-Americans and two or three don't make it. So the question is, who are the guys to step up and who are the guys that fall behind because you either go forward or you go back. So they're not all going to be in the same position in February, late February, March, that they are in late November. Deshaun, I'm going to put you on the spot here. Good. We, we, we know, <laughs> we know, Good. we know Calipari is very stubborn. The, the, I had I had a whole list of quotes and stuff for this uh, for for this this practice report I got, and they actually addressed. They said, um, "You always hear Calipari talks about how he likes his team. No, he really likes his team. These kids are good. They're just so deep. That's why he's excited. They are deep. Normally, his teams go eight deep. They are nine, ten solid, ten easily. It's a pl- platoon look alike. They're going to be a matchup nightmare for teams. So I wanted so." <laughs> You you teed me up Dave, perfectly, David. Sean, do do you think, like David says, that we're going to get back to what we normally see out of Calipari? Are we going to see the you know seven eight man rotation that we want you know that we always see every single time we get to March? Or do you think this team has the possibility of being that that true ten deep? I mean, Davion Mintz, Devin Askew, Terrence Clark, Dante Allen, B.J. Boston, Cameron Fletcher, Jacob Toppin. Keon Brooks, Lance Ware, Olivier Saar, Isaiah Jackson. That's 11. 11 guys that can contribute from day one on this roster. Name your seven. Name your eight. That's hard to do right now. I don't think that you will see them play 10 or 11 guys when they get into mid-SEC play and into the NCAA tournament. Cal's going to be who he is, which will be seven to eight. Uh that's, I just think that that's what they're going to do. Honestly, from a coaching standpoint of it, it, it's it's hard to find a rhythm when you're playing 10 or 11 guys. It's better, honestly, if you play seven or eight because then you kind of develop that chemistry on the floor and you kind of know where you're going. But I do think that there will be a lot of guys play early. The unfortunate thing is that you don't have the exhibitions. You don't have those easy games. And this is where Kentucky's basketball schedule needs to be easy, is where you can see what you've got with 10 or 11. But – they, the thing is, guys, they have to be really good kind of right away. You know you're going to have that MTE in Lexington. Then you're going to have Kansas. they got Texas in the non-conference. they got Georgia Tech, Louisville. Uh, to piggyback off what David was talking about, the point guard spot, that's what I think is key. Uh, you have two really good options, but I think that one of them has to emerge and kind of be the guy at some point this season. I, th- I think that that's what they need out of those two is for one of them to kind of take over the team and run that spot, but the other one – be really good too just they don't they both don't have to be great but one of them has to take charge i think at some point this season you know i i'm gonna say this um and i hadn't even thought about it i thought about it before but not tonight sean brought up a great point and that's one of the things that i missed i may be the only person that follows kentucky that enjoys this but i like november boot camp camp calipari and all yeah. that early december you know i really just from all my years and, you know, involved with teams and the coaching and all that, uh, I enjoy watching the sausage being made yeah. and all this. So you go from Duke two years ago, they're getting beat by God knows how much in that opener. A hundred. Where they were uh, when they played North Carolina. 
you know, toward yeah. the end of December, how much I improved. And it was that per game by game by game by game. And then last year from Evansville, uh, you know, to late. Uh, and I guess it was on later on because, you know, they turned around. And I guess the Ohio State win. You know, they lost to Utah and then Ohio State there. But then it really – it was a little bit later and it got into SEC play, I guess. But, but I enjoy all that seeing how they improve. And you go back and watch a game early in the season and keep that tape, that film, and then turn around in February and watch our game in early November, you almost laugh at, you know, mm-hmm. how many mistakes there are. And, they, I mean, they look like a bunch of high schoolers. So, you know, I'm, I'm going to miss that part of it. Yeah. yeah. I agree with that. Yeah. And it's – I think one thing that, that it works in Kentucky's favor right now is that everybody's going to have to go through these same growing pains. Everybody in college basketball is going to be going through these difficult, you know, uncertain times, having to operate under the same caution. And, and you know, their day-to-day operations are going to look, you know, almost identical to the other Blue Bloods. And, you know, just because they all – you know, you know everybody's kind of in this together if they want to make this college basketball season work. And, you know, I, I think that kind of – at some point knowing that it's an equal playing field on that front, well, maybe even, you know, favors the Kentuckys of the world that they have that bubble and, you know, on campus, but, you know, those, those sorts of things that I think Kentucky does have a, a, a slight edge. If not, if things aren't completely even on a, they're not at a disadvantage from anybody else at this point, especially given the roster makeup, especially given the, you know, the mix of, of freshman star talent and elite, you know, veteran transfers and grad transfers. And, you know, they are built for something as difficult as the season that we're about to. And, you know, the game that worries me this year, and I know maybe we're getting off track a little bit, or I am, I'm sorry, I've steered us this way. (laughs) Uh, You know, is Richmond. Yeah, I think that's this year's Evansville. And, of course, Richmond's a lot better than Evansville. They've got a lot, you know. But I think when you look at them in the past, um, you know, I watched them play Vanderbilt last year. Man, they will tie you up in knots offensively. They're like Belmont, Wofford, Princeton. Mm. You're going in there with a young team right off the bat. It's tough. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and Sean, I believe you listed off all the, uh, all the major schools that we're, we're playing this year. I mean, this non-conference schedule is no joke. Usually we, we have that, that time for, you know, the, the, you know, Joe Schmo schools, the, you know, the middle Tennessee state tech university. Like, I mean, we usually get those opportunities this year. I mean, it's going to be a, a, you know, they're cutting all the fat. The only, fat that they're going to leave is that that MTE to start the year uh, with Moorhead State and and you know those those type schools and then from there I mean it's it's full steam ahead here we go here goes nothing so and and Richmond is with and Richmond is without Nick Sherrod he tore his ACL so that's a big loss for them early that was a double digit score for the last three seasons so that's a that's yeah. a big loss for them, but still, I'm with David. Out of all those teams, that is the one that I would circle and watch, depending on how it lines up. Is it the first game? Is it the second game? Is it the third game? Uh, Kentucky, these guys have to be good right away. Or do you guys think there's going to be a lot of upsets early on in that first week, or do you think that the talented teams will prevail given the circumstances and everything? I almost think that this year is going to be, you know, kind of how home court advantage didn't really matter in the bubble, uh, the NBA bubble, how it was just kind of a, 
better team wins. You know, it's it's a you, you know there, there wasn't any excess stuff to determine games. It was one hundred percent who was the more talented team out of out of the two. Uh, and you know, I think that probably leads to less upset uh, upsets maybe to start the year things will get complicated and you know as teams find their footing but I think this year this year's March Madness I think we're going to determine a champion you know if there's no fans if there's no you know I think it's going to be the best team the most focused team you know the most talented team combined is going to be the last one standing at the end of the year I think I think that favors favors schools like Kentucky I want to see some team schedules I've, I've not even looked at schedules yet and the reason I say that is because I know there's some Power Five teams out there that are not going to play mid-majors because of COVID protocol and testing, and, and just mid-major teams don't have the same access, and they don't want to do risk anything at all and have any players, um, you know, catching anything. So I, I'm curious to see that. But I wonder though, like you say, the fans. So you've got and let and and the. Power five schools don't go to the mid-majors. The mid-majors travel to the power fives. Mm -hmm. So here you've got an empty arena uh, where, you know, they don't have that home court, big home court advantage. They don't have the big fan base. Uh, You've not – things are done differently. I I just kind of think without looking at the schedules that, uh, you know, it might be – you might have more upsets this year simply because uh, it takes some of the advantages and – I just think anytime you throw people out of their rituals, it changes things. I think make things a lot more uh, unpredictable. I guess is the word. Yeah, I, I think that's I think that's totally fair to say that this is going to be a very unpredictable season. Things are going to be. Uh, quite different. I mean, the the day to day operations are going to be quite different. And I know Sean, you're you're pushed on time. Um, we'll get you out of here soon. We'll we'll wrap it up. We have a big week ahead of us with recruiting and all, and all that stuff. Anyway, um, so so you know, let's just let's go on and and final thoughts here, Sean. What are you know? What is your your biggest takeaway for tonight's news with Davion with uh, uh, Olivier Saar and and Jacob Toppin being declared eligible? It- it moves Kentucky from that Sweet 16 Elite Eight into Final Four contention and cutting down the nets for a national championship. Also, too, uh, I think now what you're going to see is some people might put them over Tennessee in the SEC predictions. I still think Tennessee, rightfully so, probably should be right there at the top and Kentucky right there 1A. I think they're both going to be that good. It's really good for the league. But like I said earlier, Jack, before David got on here, I think the news was starred. It lets Isaiah Jackson, Lance Ware be who they are. It, it's not having you're not having to ask someone to do something that really that's not their strength. I, I think that's what it does the most. And then topping it, it's a free year. I mean, why not? It gives you an opportunity. You might find lightning in a bottle with this kid this year. Who knows? Yeah, I think that 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 in itself is. What if he is? What what if he is as good as everybody? I mean, he was brought in to be a sit one. He's going to, you know, he wants he wanted to come in, develop for a year, develop his body, develop his game, do nothing but just develop for the 2021-2022 season, and that's all. That was his sole focus. But the rules kind of shifted in his favor where he could, you know, you know, play for a year without risking his eligibility. Say he comes in and he's not all that good or he's not all that ready or he gets beat up by some of the big SEC bigs. 
that would be okay in this in this sense. You know, if if he comes in and and he and he sucks right now, he's not ready for for you know big time SEC play yet. Then it doesn't matter. He still has his two years of eligibility in the future, and we get to see him you know for for three full years as opposed to just two or even burning a red you know burning that red shirt year this year. So um, yeah, wholeheartedly agree. I think the the obvious takeaway is Olivier Sars eligibility, but man, that Jacob Toppin, I mean, it's just intriguing as hell. David, what are your final thoughts on, on uh, tonight's big news? Well, I'll, I'll touch on what Sean talked about with a league. Uh, I'm interested to see what kind of respect the league gets across the board because uh, I follow Ken Palm quite a bit. I love that site, but it's, it's really drove me crazy the last two years, the lack of respect. But also with that, with Palm, with just the national rankings of lack of respect for the SEC, I, if I'm not mistaken, when they Florida they had Florida as the highest-ranked team in the SEC with, you know, on Ken Palm, or the highest-rated team, rather, uh, going into the last game of the regular season, and when Kentucky beat them in Gainesville, it didn't move Kentucky up. It dropped Florida out of the top 30. There wasn't one SEC team in the top 30 which is ridiculous to me, but yeah. you know, he's got the numbers. So I, I, I'm hoping that it uh, really elevates the SEC because it, and it was the case two years ago. I mean, it's had a total lack of respect at least the last two years anyway. Um, as far as uh, Kentucky, I guess the big news to me, and it's like Sean said, Kentucky and Tennessee. Of course, I live down here in Big Orange Country. Now, you wouldn't know it this week after last Saturday. <laughs> I can't find any of them. Man, but, what a big week for you. I, oh, I can't God. find any of them. But, um, you know, I've had some tell me that, you know, basketball this year. And it's funny. You listen to Tony Basilio, and it's just <laughs> great comedy right now. Tony Basilio starts, and he says – there's just one thing we can do as Tennessee fans right now and just hope we live the basketball season. So <laughs> they think they're really going to be good, and they are. I have a lot of respect for that program. Yeah. I, you know, I'm not crazy about them, but I have a lot of respect for them. And they, yeah. they're going to be good. Um, and, you know, I've had fans that get on me, friends here that are fans, and they'll say, wait the basketball season. You know, it's going to be a sweep. And I'm kind of saying – well, well, I hope we get sorry. eligible and kind of bite my tongue. I said, now, if, if well, I've got a big boy up there, if he gets eligible, then, then all that's out the window. This team's going to be great. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's what I take from it, you know, that they're a team now that you don't have to fear anybody when you play them. I mean, I think this is a team that could, you know, they could be the bullies this year, maybe. Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree. And man, this was when this news broke, I just said, we got to stop what we're doing and figure out a way to get this podcast going because I, I knew both of you guys had something that you guys wanted to say. And I'm glad <laughs> I'm glad we were able to jump on this before. I, it's going to be a busy week. We got Sky Clark's commitment Thursday night, tomorrow night. Uh, Bryce Hopkins dad told me that they're planning on a commitment uh, tentatively planned on Sunday. They've changed their minds like 30 times on what the exact date is going to be. So who the hell knows? Hey, as far as I know right this. now, it's going to be Sunday. But Aren't you glad that Matt Harms went to BYU? Oh, man. <laughs> I was actually going to ask you that. that. But aren't you glad Matt Harms went to BYU? Man, do you remember – 
when we had that we recorded the day before there was that there was that rumor that spread that that UK got that you, you know they they got the press release written they got word that that Matt Harms was coming to Kentucky we said you know what we might as well record a pre-podcast and get it done so we can upload it and you remember the night it was the two days before is when we recorded that the day before we got word that it was going to be it was going to be BYU and I remember we were just kind of all sitting there like wow this season is gonna I mean that we UK has no options they're screwed there there's no way and to think that we talked ourselves into the fact that Matt Matt Harms was going to be the the saving grace, the, you know, difference maker on that team, and now knowing how things unfolded, they got Olivier Saar, they got him eligible. And, you know, sky's the limit for this for this roster. I mean, it's just. I mean, you bring up a great point. That that's just like that seems like one that seems like a, like fourteen yeah. years ago when we when we yeah. did that. But man, that's big. It's it's wild how it all went. You know, it went harms, and then you know the top of news, and then uh, DeAndre Williams and stuff oh. for the Evansville transfer, yeah. and, and then we circle <laughs> back to where we are now. Man, uh, we know it usually takes a while for us to know what Cal's rosters looks like, but this this is the longest it's taken. I, I have yeah. to remind myself of this in the future. Uh, the more I'm around it, you know, this is I guess my. I don't know, third off season, I guess, covering Kentucky basketball. And I have to remind myself that it's like Aaron Rodgers talked about when in Green Bay. He said, man, everybody just kind of chill out, take a deep breath that one year. And that's kind of like it is in recruiting uh, with Kentucky because it just changes so much. And it's not going to look anything, even in this next cycle, it's not going to look anything in a couple of months like it looks now. And some of the names that are going to be big names probably, and you say, well, who are they? I don't know. I'm just telling you <laughs> the way it works at Kentucky. They're going to be big names that end up playing for Kentucky that right now we don't have any clue about. We don't even know about. So you just kind of, no matter what happens, you know, if Sky Clark goes to Memphis and, Bryce Hopkins goes to Illinois and Hunter Salas goes to Creighton and, and all that happens here. And by the way, that was a great job you did on Hunter Salas. Well, thank you. Uh, no matter what the uh, roster, if they lose out on all those guys, you know, they're still going to, they'll still end up getting really good players that we don't even know about. They yeah. always do. Yeah. And I think that's, that's the one way to look at it. And, uh, and, as we've seen over and over again, it's always going to work out for Kentucky. It's always going to work out for John Calipari. The roster looks really good, damn good, and uh, we're all excited about it. All right, we'll end it there. Um, Sean, where can fans find your work? Follow me on Twitter at GBB Country, and you can access everything at GoBigBlueCountry.com. One note, too, I really am enjoying being on here with you guys. I just wanted to add that. Well, thank you. And uh, we're in the process. So, so Travis reached out to me, and he said – um, hey, I have, you know, we always tease him on this show over and over again about how he has like 50 jobs and he takes on, you know, a ton of stuff and trying to keep his sanity a little bit. So we're going to still have him on for, you know, we, we'd like to have him on to talk about the sky stuff. We've been hyping that up for so long about the, you know, the, the ins and outs of that. And, you know, we, we'd like to still bring him back every once in a while for that, but, but for the, for the foreseeable future moving forward sean is going to be our permanent co-host and david's going to stick along with us as well so we are uh very very excited about 
you know how things think how things are unfolding and we're excited about travis he's making big moves he's just doing a heck of a job um so we're excited about his future and we're i'm thankful for for both of you guys for kind of easing this process in and, and transitioning with the way we have it's 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 been a lot of fun it's going to continue to be a lot of fun uh david you've been there from the start we appreciate you uh where can fans continue to find your work uh coach david sisk on twitter and at cats illustrated on the rivals network you can find me on Twitter at Jack Pilgrim KSR. Uh, reach out to me via email at jpilgrim at kentuckysportsradio.com. With that, we'll be back to break down all the latest recruiting commitments. This could be a very, very big week for Kentucky fans, so we will uh, jump right in after the fact and uh, keep you updated on that. We will see you then.